0: For me, it was the Eric Garner case. As most of you probably know at this point, I'm some sort of hodgepodge of different races. Mainly my dad's family is black and my mom's family is white. If you saw me in person, you'd probably assume I was Middle Eastern or Mediterranean or something. When I was in high school, before the beard, people thought I was Latino. Anyway, I feel like for a lot of America, it's new news. But I've been aware of the racist bent of the authorities and the black community's distrust for the police for most of my life. Growing up, I remember my mom, who's white, going on rants when we would see black men pulled over by the police. Let him go, she would say, knowing he'd probably been stopped for some arbitrary reason. I remember my auntie telling a story about when she spotted the notorious Southside rapist back in the 90s based on the sketches she had seen on the news. But when she called in his whereabouts, she could tell the detective wasn't taking her seriously. She believed it was because she sounded like a black woman. I grew up in predominantly white settings as a pretty light-skinned mixed kid, so even though my family is black, it was easy for me to lose sight of the struggle happening in America's black neighborhoods. But I also grew up 15 minutes from the spot Michael Brown was shot by Darren Wilson in summer of 2014. I spent hours at the site. I marched in a few of the controversial protests. All of that effectively took place in my hometown and was personal for me. Based on the evidence presented, I didn't, and I still don't believe that Michael Brown deserved to die that day, and I was angry. But when it really hit home for me was when the Eric Garner video was released, where police pinned a man to the concrete and used a chokehold technique that had been banned by the NYPD to apparently subdue him for selling cigarettes illegally. With his face pinned to the sidewalk, Eric Garner repeated the phrase, "'I can't breathe,' over and over again as police held him down." Until he died. I wept the first time I watched it. Then again the second time. The third. As a matter of fact, I still weep every time I watch it. Eric was quite literally pleading for his life. You can hear the panic and dread in his voice as he faced the reality that he might die over some cigarettes. But the phrase, I can't breathe, would become something of a mantra for people all over the country calling for police accountability. How poetic of a gift, however heartbreaking, that a man could die while offering the world such a profound truth, that throughout its history the American political system has been strategically holding its black communities in a chokehold, and in so many vital ways black America can't breathe. The time to confront the reality of racism is now. The invention of the cell phone camera has made it more tangible than ever that we are not past it, and that actually we have a long way to go. But it seems that in so many ways the church has taken a back seat on the issue. The current political climate seems to suggest that there's a massive overlap between religious America and racist America. Dr. Martin Luther King famously stated that the most segregated hour in America is 11am on Sunday morning. So why the culture gap? Now I fully acknowledge that there are a great number of churches working hard towards racial reconciliation, and a number of them are very effective, but that seems to be the exception to the rule. If God is supposedly using the church to bring about his dream of neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, but all be one in Christ, why is the church so often a passive observer, if not a purveyor of the painfully obvious racism in America? On today's episode, we're interviewing our friend Prisca about what it's like to be a black girl growing up in a white church. We'll talk about the effect of microaggressions, the N-word, and how the church's nonchalant approach to race is leading people away from the faith. I'm Chuck Parson, and this is The Life After.
1: Chuck, I want to relive a conversation I had with you this week um, because I feel like it's very important. It needs to be on the air. Um, are you Are you ready for this important conversation?
0: Yeah. T- uh, yeah. Hit me, Brady. <laughs>
1: well, I realized how different our hosting styles are, okay. and I I think I figured out the key are of, we, of who we are.
0: We're different. We're very different. Yeah,
1: you and I. <sighs> yeah. So I realized that I um, am kind of more like a late night host. Where I want to, I want to, you know. <laughs> Crack the whys and make the jokes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And crack, crack the whys. <laughs> crack like that, the yeah. whys. I think it was from Community. Okay. Um, and actually, a couple months before I, I started this podcast, I was thinking to myself, I really want to do something in the podcast realm because I that's something I'm really interested in. Um. And I, I thought it'd be interesting to have a late night show where I just interview my friends as if they were celebrities, mm-hmm. and so I kind of feel like that's what this is. But we it's, all just talk about—I like it. One of the same subjects, right? How,
0: instead of instead of talking about our movies, we talk about our trauma. <laughs> so, is it so, it's, so much more so interesting? Into, we're basically Conan.
1: Yeah, basically Conan. <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I like. <that>. like... <laughs> <laughs> so Jim Carrey, um, tell me about the time your dad abused you. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like really heavy it's stuff sort of like, like that yeah it's like that uh, disclaimer, I don't know if Jim Carrey's dad ever abused him. What would you say your hosting is like
0: um i'm I'm more like uh this uh i'm I'm uh, Chuck Parson, and this is this American life um on our first act today, we're speaking with Brady hardin he's uh <laughs> he's experienced some trauma in the church life. Yeah, I'm basically Ira Glass, except like a little bit edgier, you know, because yeah. he's like the least edgy person ever, but in like the edgiest way possible, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but I really like Ira Glass.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, love it. No,
0: no, my whole approach is like, I listen to, I listen to almost exclusively like NPR and Radiotopia uh, podcasts. Yeah, what like podcasts awesome. do you listen
1: to? What are your favorites?
0: Um, I love, I mean, I love This American Life. I love... Song Exploder is one of my favorite, Radiotopia. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Radio Lab. That's another NPR show. Because um, you got me into some Hidden of this. Brain. When we went to That's Nashville
1: great. on the way home, I was. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Listening to all this I, I, I
0: sort like, of like exposed you to my yes. podcast world and you like were the, into the more
1: intelligent side right. of the world. <laughs> right. I've never been here before. right. right. Yeah,
0: because yeah, you you listen to mostly comedy podcasts. Well, my uh,
1: my big ones are Comedy Bang Bang. Um, right, Mark Marin is a big one. That I love. yeah. Um, I also good, both good ones. I realized there was this other show that really influenced me called the Mysterious Universe. It's these two Aussie yeah. guys talking about supernatural things, and like they don't believe in it or not, you never really know. Right. But um, I just love to hear them talk about weird stuff on the news right. and Bigfoot right. and everything like that. I don't believe in Bigfoot. What? Or maybe I do. I don't know.
0: Hey man, uh, have have faith. Bigfoot loves you.
1: <laughs> Bigfoot is real because Bigfoot says he's real, uh, right? So all I have to do is jump in and that circular reasoning. It could be different. If forever. you don't
0: give your, your, your heart and, your, uh, and <laughs> your life to Bigfoot, you could wind up in a Bigfoot hell. Yeah. Yeah. You Absolutely. need to be careful. <laughs> Absolutely. It's Pascal's wager. Mm. You know, if there is no Bigfoot and you and you accept that there's Bigfoot,
1: this is amazing. This is going to really Then deep. you're fine. Mm -hmm.
0: if there is a big if there is no Bigfoot and you and you believe in Bigfoot you're also fine (laughs) thank you I wrote if there is no Bigfoot
1: (laughs) I'm done I'm done I can't even (laughs) anyway I just I really call
0: this uh Parsons wager
1: part I like that yeah I like that it's
0: my version of the flying spaghetti monster Mm. yeah
1: Mm -hmm. um Anyway, I just I, I really came to appreciate how different our hosting styles are, and I, I like that. I think I think we we complement yeah. each other. But you know, it's so indicative of our friendship because back when we were Christians, you know, I was very much a Calvinist, you're know, very much not, and yes. we've always just been like we come to yeah. this, we always end up in the same fun. place but different directions from different directions. Right. Yeah.
0: With theology, you were boring, and I had fun. And now and we flip with the podcast. You have fun, and I'm boring.
1: I think Calvinism is very interesting and very exciting. <sighs>
0: If you want to interpret the entire Bible through like three passages, sure, it's great. It's hilarious. <laughs> hilarious is the I, word.
1: Um, no, I, I think that it's by the lens that you see everything else. Uh, no, I, it, three passages. Give me a break. Give uh, me a break. Oh, so where can been, you find free will? We've been working in, uh, on this. Uh,
0: we've been working on this. Uh, this segment that where me and Brady are going <laughs> to pseudo argue uh, our different worldviews. We're coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that
1: was just a little preview. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little preview. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to get a little heated. It is. We need to make like um like boxing match posters and everything. It's going to be amazing. Yep. Absolutely. Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about. We yep. got an email, um, from somebody who is still a Christian. And uh, I wanted to kind of address one of the questions they had uh, for us. And that question was, uh, from their observation, it seems that a lot of us who have left the faith have left because of um, situations that started off with trauma. The trauma, some big bad thing that happened in our lives. Right. Okay,
0: okay. yeah, I saw this email. Was kind of
1: the the catalyst for us walking out. Um, And his viewpoint was that maybe... We did not have a strong enough theology of pain or theology of right. suffering, yeah. um, and felt that maybe we left the faith or something out of um lack of strength or confidence or bravery or courage i, I don't or, or maybe just faith. maybe
0: just like uh maybe just a on a very basic level theological understanding There, I think right? that's fair to say, I think is sort of where he was coming from, so I know he, how i think I, w- he, I think he used the phrase uh a theology of
1: pain. A theology right? of pain. That's what, what that's what stuck out of my head as yeah. well. Um, so I know how I would answer that. Do you have you given thought? How would you answer that?
0: I yeah, I have so many answers for that. I'm interested in hearing yours first. So maybe you can. Okay. Maybe I don't. Maybe I won't be so redundant.
1: Um. Well, my thing is I. I had a very good understanding of, of theology of pain and suffering as a Calvinist. That's something that we really, we focused on a lot. Um, I even wrote, you know, the, the novel that I, that I wrote, and that was a huge theme in it. And I was also writing the sequel up to the point that, um, my wife left. And, uh, that was a huge, huge, huge theme in that, in the second book. Um, so no, I, I had a, I understanding, and also I'd gone through a lot of trauma throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Um, what brought me closer to Christianity was the fact that my, you know, I came from an abusive home. My dad was abusive. He cheated, got a divorce. Um, so being that uh, the kid in the church who was going through a divorce was what actually brought me to God um, in that way. But what happened for me mm, was was yeah. the Holy Spirit, is that I, I lost faith in what uh, my theology of the Holy Spirit. My understanding of the Holy Spirit biblically was that um, the the very presence of God, the, the Spirit of God, lives in the hearts of people, um, and he sanctifies them as they um grow in their faith from the inside out, causing them to sin less, to become more like him, to become more godly. Um and that's also through the washing of the word. So th- those were the, that was my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah. but then when I came to the situation with um with the church that uh left that well that I got kicked out of, I was very confused on um how that would happen if they had the Holy Spirit of how they continually could make these decisions and treat a certain person that way, even though they were told what the truth was and and how things were going. Um, And then I also saw a lot of other attitudes that kind of came with that. I think what I'm saying is if I were to objectively walk into a group of, of Christians or Christian culture, um, there would be nothing that I would see that would be different about them. That would make me say there has to be some sort of external force changing these people there has to be some sort of third party yeah. that is um changing um people's situations or who they are their personalities or uh, moral whatever sure um, yeah, yeah. so for me the the first thing to go was my belief in the holy spirit that there is a connection that's that's um convicting people and making rights out of wrongs and knowing mm-hmm. that all rights and wrongs need to be waited till you know the end of the, of, of days or whatever. Um, but within the Christian community, I was very confused because I was not seeing any fruits of the Holy Spirit that I was not that was exclusive to that community. Um, because I could look out and I can see people that are non Christians that are growing, that are becoming more moral, that are being more mindful of who they are, of right. growing, of self growth, and all of that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But they didn't have the Holy Spirit, so I, I didn't see a, a big difference. That was kind of what was kind of the catalyst for me, not the right. suffering, um, as much as understanding this isn't how I was this isn't how I expected it. This isn't what I was taught. Sure. Yeah, my yeah, experience yeah. and my head knowledge were not connecting.
0: Right, right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. It seems like outside of the church there's a there's more capacity to uh to heal, right? To yeah. to to alleviate suffering or understand suffering than there is within Christian theology, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I actually, I spent a lot of time, um, exploring the, the problem of suffering. Cause I was, you know, uh, I think any, like, <clears throat> I think any thinker, like somebody that spends a lot of time in their head, bouncing ideas around is going to have a really, really hard time, uh, accepting Christian doctrine with, you know, against the problem of suffering. It's like, there are books and books written on this, right? Um, so I, I spent a lot of time on that question, and um, I, there were a few answers that I liked and, and a lot of ones that I didn't like. Um, C.S. Lewis famously sort of attributes it to, to free will, right? Mm-hmm. Like humans have the choice to be good or bad, so they do bad things, and it results in other people feeling, you know, getting hurt or whatever, which of course doesn't account for the worst things that we experience in life, like the death of a child or... You know, uh, an earthquake that kills eight hundred thousand Haitians, or you know, things like that. Like that has nothing to do with human free will, right? This is right, right. Th- There's just things that happen. Things Cancer, that happen. you know, mm-hmm. the biggest problems aren't aren't addressed there. Um, my favorite Christian explanation for suffering was actually from, and I don't really know where she derived her theology, but um, a Christian author named Ann Voskamp. Um, okay, she's okay. Like she's, you know, she's pretty cool. She's a little bit, uh, she's a little bit of a hippie, I think. So. That kind of bothers me, but she was. <laughs> no offense to any hippies out there. You guys are cool, um, but she wrote a book called One Thousand Gifts, and the the uh, sort of the, the theology that she approaches is this that, um, that everything that that comes to you in life, and this is sort of a this is a sort of a Calvinistic thing. She makes some okay. references. Um, everything that comes to you in life is sort of ordained, right? So, um, so the the key. To dealing with suffering and dealing with the theological problems with suffering is to be thankful is to is to be uh is to practice gratitude right so mm. wake up uh thank god for for whatever's going on and uh there's some there's some validity to that right i mean like obviously it disregards the, the human, the very guttural human emotions of suffering. Right. Yeah. And that's why my, 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 I see your, yeah, yeah see my brow is like, like, no, I'm I, very contorted. Like, I don't know how I about this. this. You're yeah. the Calvinist. Um,
1: I was, I was <laughs> past tense. Come right, on. Right,
0: right. Um, uh, but th- that was, that was the one that I found most effective because it forced me to, um, to sort of, to sort of as a Christian look at, at what was happening and say like, okay, um, like, this has a purpose, which I no longer believe that suffering has a purpose, right? Yeah. It's just things are random in my worldview. Chaos is, which is, understandable. is pretty much yeah. what runs everything. But and while I was a Christian, it was like, okay, this, this, it forced me to practice gratitude, which really does make the world brighter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you just take some time to think, like, what what is good about this, and what can I embrace, and what have I learned, and, and, and what is, where has this gotten me, Right. Um, So that was like cool, but ultimately they all sort of, to me, end in this circular reasoning, right? So uh, most Christian explanations for suffering say like something like God, ultimately they end up saying like God allows you to suffer so that you can learn from that suffering and in turn, help people that are suffering right yeah which is great and that's that's actually a true thing that happens right we like Mm -hmm. experience suffering and then we're able to sympathize with people that are suffering the
1: monomyth the hero's journey yeah
0: yes exactly so but the problem with that is that if suffering didn't exist in the first place then we wouldn't have to suffer in order to help people that are suffering right right. and then you're like well who do we blame for suffering well there's an omnipotent being that just decided that it's okay for (laughs) suffering to happen yeah right so it's it doesn't it doesn't make sense i mean it doesn't break down ultimately like uh, why introduce suffering at all in the first place if uh you know if the whole if the only purpose of it is to then alleviate the suffering that didn't really need to exist in yeah. the first place and, and of course I have, I have you know i have issue with that
1: of course people are gonna have answers um there's yeah. always answers to um but but is whether or not those can really you allow yourself to really sink your teeth into them and if they're you know, they're worth chewing on. Right. Um,
0: And I would say also to to that, to that email, like there is like suffering. that's an oversimplification, I think for everyone that's been on the show to say that a bad thing happened and they decided they didn't believe. And that's, that was my family coupled with, it's always coupled with is the Bible an accurate document is, is what Christian doctrine teaches. Does that line up with my experience and my, like what I see in life? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very, very happy to use Christian language, joyful person now on a level that I never was when I was a Christian, because I don't think that the the Christian worldview is conducive to allowing you to love yourself, Mm -hmm. um, And that's just—I understand that—that's Mandarin to people that are still in the system, but yeah, it's um, very true. It's—it's hard to explain, but that's my experience. So it's—it's way more complicated than I. Oh, my marriage didn't work, so I'm angry at God. Right,
1: and that was kind of my my family's—I think—initial response to me was, "Oh, you didn't get your way, so you."
0: you've left. The faith. Right. Yeah. We kind of addressed that on the first, yeah, the first and it's episode. Like,
1: there's so much more to what's going on in my head in my experience. Um, but, but another thing about the Holy spirit that I talked about earlier was I, I always have a question and this is going to bring us to our guest today. Um, always have had a question about why is it that people who claim to have the Holy spirit, um, generally, generally speaking, I know I'm making generalizations here are, are historically behind the times on social issues. Yes. Um, when it comes to uh, the treatment of people of color, when it comes to the treatment of women, um, and more recently the, the LGBTQ, um, yeah. AI plus community of just mm-hmm. uh, they're always behind. And they're the hindrance for progress right. that we all know is going to end up happening, that they're going to be accepted, and eventually it's going to be part of the conscience of Christians mm-hmm. to protect the people that right now the majority of them are not uh, protecting. There's right. um, the same with women. It was the same with people of color. Um, of of all of these different things. And so, um,
0: and that was that was kind of in the news this week. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think the Southern Baptist Convention um, made a made like had to make like a, a, a actual stance on the alt right. On the alt right, yes. And, but it was not in t- like up until about two years ago that they. Made a decision of not flying the Confederate flag, right? Um, like right, I right, think it was right. like in the year of 2015 that that decision was finally made. Yeah, I mean um, it is
0: the Southern Baptist right. Convention, exactly, it was but founded still, to defend slavery, right?
1: But true, but it, but also the the point is, if the Holy Spirit, the actual presence of God, is changing these people from the inside out, um, is the Holy Spirit a xenophobe? is the Holy Spirit not right? Right. Or are these people, for whatever reason, pushing against um, what they should be feeling and what they should... Because it's not just an equal thing. If if you look at the church and to non-Christians, it's not an equal ratio of people who are pro or against these things. The the Being against this progress of social change is usually the viewpoint of people who claim and have the Holy Spirit and not the viewpoint of those who don't. And eventually, who wins out? The ones who don't. And that becomes the norm and things that right now, if I were to go into a church and start racially attacking, uh, people of color or sexistly, you know, beating a woman, they would stand up and they would fight against it. Yes. You know, and, I, and I'm using extreme, I'm using extreme examples, right, right, obviously, sure. but, um, that's not how it always would have been. Right. And, um, our yeah. guest today, um, is a friend of mine, Priska. And I'm going to let her tell you um, all how we know each other because she could probably tell the story better than I can. Um, but Priska is um, black. She's a playwright. She's extremely talented. And uh, I want to talk to her today about um, arts and culture and also yes. um, what it was like being a person of color growing up in the church. Yep. Um, we'll have Prisca right after this. Cool.
0: The Life After Facebook page is a great way to get in touch with other religion survivors.
1: Also, we like to post interesting articles on there.
0: And it's a good way to get a hold of us. And you won't need a concordance to find us.
1: (laughs) We We have a link to the Facebook page on our website, thelifeafter.org, or search The Life After on Facebook. Finally, you could just go to our URL, facebook.com slash thelifeafterorg.
3: Okay, so Jesus was black, Donald Trump was the devil, and the Bible was written by a patriarchal society. So I'm done. Yes. <laughs> Are we good? Is that, is that all we needed?
0: Uh, all right. Yeah, we're,
1: yeah, I think we've got a party to get to. So. <laughs> thanks, thanks. That's great. <laughs> I would like to welcome my friend Prisca. Love you, welcome dude. to the show.
3: <laughs> Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: welcome to the show, Prisca. Um... How long have we known each other? How do we meet?
3: Oh, gosh. So, when was completing and Caden written or uh, done?
1: That was Oh, is that how you guys know each other?
3: Yeah, 2005. Oh, yeah. 2005. <laughs> okay. Yo, yeah, it's, 2005. Been, it's been 12 years. Yeah, yeah. It's been 12 years. Does anybody
0: baby. that was on that show still <laughs> believe in Christianity? Yeah, a couple. Um, really? Mm-hmm.
1: The one who wrote it, uh, the, the executive producer does. Okay. And uh, Dick Wolf. Yeah, I think that's honest. That's all I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. Um, so yeah, the the cable Christian sitcom. Um, yeah. How did you come into contact with that? So
3: it's actually really funny. Um, I had a written um, a script myself about uh, uh, that kind of issue about um, Christian teens being persecuted and all that stuff, you know, in school. Because poor us, we're always persecuted in school and everything. <laughs> But so I wrote a script about that Mm -hmm. and uh, my mother happened to find your series on on the Internet. And so she sent it to me. She was like, oh, my gosh, this is what you wrote about. And I watched it. And at the time I was like still watching a lot of Christian art along with secular art. So when I saw it, I, I was able to see this piece of art for what it was. Um, which was, it was Christian art, and so it was definitely for somebody like me, so I appreciated it. Would I have shown it to... It's That's so bad. Right, right. <laughs> would I have would I have shown it to like you know um, my a, a my, cool person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like no, on a date? Yeah, yeah. yeah. probably L- not. Look at this
1: really underwhelming thing my friends made. <laughs> it was so Right. right. I mean, but I, then we became kind of pen pals in a weird way. because yeah. You you would comment on the message board or
3: something. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd comment on the message board. It was MySpace back in the back yes in the DA, yeah, back yeah, yeah. in the da. It was my You know, we comment on my. Space mm, yes. and stuff, and I eventually made a road trip with some friends out to the season two premiere.
1: Oh
0: my goodness! And that's when we met in person. Was Brady ever in your top eight?
3: Yeah, he was. Oh, <laughs> oh importante! <laughs> All right, <This> is real? <laughs> okay, I, I get it. I, I did not know
1: this.
0: Oh yeah. my
3: goodness! Yeah, Brady yes. and the other, the other guy, the guy who played Caden.
1: Oh really? Uh-huh. Oh, we're both very, very gay. I'm yeah. Sorry. Oh, I knew. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think last time I. Uh, saw you, or 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 like two trips ago? I saw you. I I uh, we were having drinks, and I asked. I was like, "So that guy, he's gay, right?"
1: I was <laughs> like, "Oh
2: yeah." Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 <Kard halt> <inaudible> I have
3: that third eye. <laughs> that's
1: that's amazing. So, um, yeah, we met through that. That is that's so crazy.
3: <laughs>
0: so, Priska, <laughs> you uh you grew up in. Correct me if I am wrong. A, a white suburban church.
3: Yeah. Um, so I grew up, high school-wise, I grew up um, in Lawrence, Kansas. And Lawrence is what's known as the blue dot in a sea of red. Right. Wow. And so okay. I was yeah. I actually had like a pretty opposite experience of a lot of people who are going to be on this show I was I was the I was the uh, Christian person in like liberal town college town okay. USA and stuff so you
0: were you were a tiny red dot in a bigger blue dot yeah and a much bigger yeah. red <laughs>
3: dot. so I was actually more of a purple. I didn't realize this till later I was more of a purple dot because okay. My, okay. My, my mother still raised me she was like oh you know I'm going to raise you in 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 the white church but you you know you um we still think this way because because we are black and okay, so, I, <laughs> like I was like okay yes mother that right. was like a purple dot <laughs> but um while in lawrence um i went to like i hopped with my uh, friends to three different youth groups um, basically, whenever the youth pastor would quit, we would just leave the youth group and find another one. Okay. And it was kind of like that constant thing. And um, so I was in Lawrence. And meanwhile, we on Sundays, I went to church in um in a Grandview at a place called Metro. And that was the big, like, massive church. When I was there, Mike Bickle was still there. Um, and uh, Metro was um, Metro was the church that gave birth to House of Prayer. And so when I was oh. there Oh okay, okay So okay. very charismatic background. Very charismatic. Okay. I grew up knee yeah, deep. Yeah, I know
0: some I know that and now that you say that I know that name, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I grew up like like knee deep in like the charismatic world. And even even in Lawrence, I found my charismatic churches and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, it's so funny. Like when I was first introduced to the charismatic world, um, I was so excited because church Up until I was twelve years old, kind of bored me, except for camp. Um, I guess I I went to church camp for like twelve years, Um, but I was like, this is really, I don't, I don't, I'm bored. I I don't want to sing. I'm really Mm -hmm. bored. And then uh my first day at metro there was an entire group of people up front just jumping and like dancing around and like pounding their fists and i'm like this is the greatest thing ever i found it i found my place you needed that expression yeah 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 Yeah, i needed that and um yeah and i was just really excited about it i've
1: always thought of charismatics as like if you're like in a fantasy film they're always like the wizard Cause mm-hmm. like you all have magic and stuff, like you've got mm-hmm. powers. Right. We right, didn't have right. that. We were just like, yep. hey, I want to go read a book and you know whatever. Okay. But yeah, no, right. you guys had magic powers. Know, yeah. Yeah. The thing I, I don't
0: think I don't know if a lot of like like Christians realize this and and like, but there's like some blackness to Pentecostalism. Like there are black roots mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Up to Pentecostalism. Roots, so. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Brady.
3: So fun fact. <laughs> nice actually, try. It's actually even funny. Um, there's like. <laughs> <laughs> But that's
0: like, but that to me is like where that's where that sense of soul and that sense of like that dance and the, mm-hmm. and the, the mm-hmm. and the loudness, you know what I mean? Like that all comes from black culture. And, uh, I think that kind of gets overlooked when I think of a Pentecostal, I think of a white lady in a skirt with a bun, you know what I mean? But yeah, that's not the really, the that's, not always, that's not always, that's not always, right.
3: right. And it's actually, it's even funny, um, with, within the Pentecostal world. So, and in my mind too, I have the Pentecostal world and the Charismatic world, and they're basically like the same thing. They're like they're like sisters, but um, uh, one you one the Pentecostal world, you have to wear a skirt, and yeah. Charismatic world, you can wear jeans. Yes, and that's yes. basically that's right. That's the big difference. <laughs> that's the big difference. Yeah, it yeah, it yeah. is weird but, looking
1: back at how much religion um, had to do with how people dressed. Oh my god! Yeah. Like it hit every single aspect of people's yeah. lives. You know, it it's yeah. just weird to think. Of that like, there is a time where I can like look at a religious person be able to tell you what denomination they probably yeah. were just yeah, because yeah. of how oh, for sure. different those cultures are.
3: And I don't know if you guys know this, but fun fact: um, uh, so Pentecostal, the two big groups, there is the Assembly of God Church, yeah, and then yes. there's uh, Kojic, aka the Church of God in Christ. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. They, uh, Kojic is the Black Church.
1: Oh, okay, well that's probably why I'm not that's, familiar yeah. with it.
3: And and um, Assembly of God is the White Church. They did this on purpose. Um, because oh. there was there was segregation, yeah. both no, churches it. were founded during segregation, and so uh, basically, I think it was the African American group that they're like, well, we need a we w- we want a church to go to, so they founded the, tr- mm-hmm. the Church of God in Christ, and uh, yeah, so I believe the Assembly of God was the first one to be like to start, and they were like, you can't stay here, or you can stay here, but you have to stay up in the balcony, and eventually, they um, Kojic took their um, claim wow. their power and they formed their own so that's why one of the many reasons why it's so segregated but i was actually i, I did not
1: know that mm-hmm,
3: yep oh yeah but i was uh actually raised in a predominantly white church and with like i think like depending on like the size of the church like sometimes i was the only person sometimes i was like one of 10 depending right okay
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was I mean, uh, I had a. I mean, I'm obviously a lot lighter skinned than you, but my my family is black. My dad's black. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I was I always joked in high school. I was I was one of I was there were two and a half black people in my class Mm -hmm. and I was the half. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was sort of like I total I I resonate with that experience to a degree. I mean, most people look at me and they see enough of a white guy that they put me in that category. Mm -hmm. So I'm like I can be the token like white you know what i mean and and uh, and people make like half black jokes a lot and it's it, it's whatever <laughs> but um but it's, yeah it's no not, i I, I understand that it's like oh you don't understand uh, this is a huge part of my life like nobody in this scenario gets that right you know yeah yeah
1: right prisca you you shared with me um before what your experience was growing up in the white church? Like, what kind of attention did you get that you didn't want or that you did want or however? What was that like um just kind of being singled out?
3: Yeah. Well, I resonated uh, a lot with Chuck's story too because uh, I think, well... Church or no church, when you're growing up, you you just want to survive. You just want to fit in and survive, and so you're like, "What's my bit? My yes. bit is I'm this." Right. And so I was actually usually the first person to like make a joke about my race, mm. wow. um, about me being black, like I'm the black girl, like right. Um, and then as a result, um, and it's funny looking back on this actually because a lot of these jokes that were made. If I had a kid, I would be livid, absolutely right, livid. Right, right, right. Um, one, I, there were a lot of jokes made about my skin color. Like, for example, somebody once um, held up um, a, a black piece of paper to my skin and said, "Hey, look, it's the same thing." And I was like, "Ha ha ha ha!" Um, yeah. A lot of times, because uh, you
0: because you see you 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 seem hostile if you don't laugh, right? You yes. seem like you're mean mm-hmm. if you don't laugh. Yeah. And I'm like won't. oh she's just leave her alone she's mean yeah you know she didn't get my joke right, right. even it was just a joke
3: yeah exactly yeah. exactly um I got the uh, um a lot at camp I got whenever it was nighttime um somebody would be like Priska where are you like especially especially right. if I was praying if I was praying my eyes were closed Prisca, where are you and then I would like smile and then it would say there you are oh
0: my gosh boom boom yeah. boom
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> see I
0: had <sighs> hysterical yeah
1: i had a revelation um when you were talking about this earlier and when i was listening to your recording of i do this a lot and to me the punchline is well we all know brady's not racist so this is funny but like that's not a punchline so like I legitimately had like a moment of guilt and shame when I was thinking about how I, because I make jokes with Chuck, and other people with their race, and they'll laugh and I'll think, okay, well that's that's fine. I got permission to do this shit, but that's not the case. Um, I learned that this week. It's a, and i challenging. That's huge, I'm actually, sorry. because
0: yeah. uh, no, no, yeah. it's you know, it's it's. I mean. The, of um, in the great in the grand scheme of of racial offenses that have been cast upon us, uh, that's that's not a big deal. Yeah. True, <laughs> And I I do appreciate that you acknowledge that. Um, and if that's a hard thing. Uh, for, uh, I think maybe we were talking to Zach about this, uh, when we were recording his episode, but it was like a side thing, and he said like, you know, it's it's a hard thing to to be like, I'm racist. I'm probably racist because I'm white. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard in our culture to be white and not be racist yeah. because no matter how much you believe and re- repeat the rhetoric that everybody's equal, there are all kinds of, of, of very small or very big ways that you can, uh, that you can perpetuate the idea that we're not right. So, well,
1: and that, and that, other and that's,
0: pro- that I think is the problem with most churches. Yeah. Absolutely. Most people in most churches, unless you're in the deep South, are going to say that they're not racist. They're yeah. very anti-racist. Everybody's equal. They believe that really, but, they believe that really strongly, but there are all these little ways.
3: Yeah. Well, I actually, um, I learned a word last week. It's called, it's called microaggression.
0: Oh yeah. And yes. cause I was
3: trying to figure out like, why am I so, cause for the most part, my uh, church life wasn't awful why am i so sensitive about these little things and it's these microaggressions um and basically a microaggression is kind of a statement or just like a thought or like something uh, something that happens to you that is not a big deal on paper but over time it bears down on you over and over it's like it's like a paper cut yeah and one is fine Two in right. the same spot, okay. Three, and then over and over and over again, they had this huge wound. Yes. And then, and then, you know, if you're like me, you're like yelling at your friend of like five years about how racist he is. Right. That happened. Right. <laughs> that happened because right, right. well, I was like, this isn't, these jokes aren't funny. And he didn't
0: come out and say, like, oh, yeah, Richard Spencer, he's my dude.
3: Yeah. No, yeah. he right. just,
0: are they, you know, just mm-hmm. did know some things over time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I always think of, so. This is actually really poignant because a lot of, it's it's like a cool thing in, in like bro conservatism to make fun of microaggressions because it's it mm-hmm. sounds like a, oh, we're just sensitive little liberal snowflakes, right? <laughs> uh, but there's so much truth to it. And I, I always think of this episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, which is, you know, a very <laughs> mediocre show. My mom loves it. She's yeah. watched every episode like 30 times. So I'm very familiar with it the chronology of the show, but there's this episode where it's a flashback and they're 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 discussing where they're going to live as a married couple. Mm-hmm. And she really wants to live across the street from his parents. And he's like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and then he flicks her on the nose and she's like, ow, that was annoying. And he flicks her on the nose again. And he's like, <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, that's not so bad right now, is it? It's kind of annoying. And then he's like, but what if I just kept flicking you Yes. On the nose over and over and over and over. And he's trying to explain, you know, like how awful it would be to have all these little annoying instances living across the street from his parents. But it's a really poignant oh, way wow. of, yes. of explaining like this is what it's like for minorities in, in America. Yes. In general, is there all of these little ways where you get flicked in the nose until you're like, I don't want to be here anymore and I'm
1: livid. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Now imagine being both a minority and a female.
1: Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like, and also the frustrating thing, too, is, you know, I've known about the word microaggressions for a very long time. But then you come to different consciousness of how guilty you are of them. Yeah. You know, um I was listening to another podcast, Invisibilia, and they had, a, uh, they had an episode on racism and just like they it, it's, it's all about invisible things that affect culture and society. Mm-hmm. And this one was about racism. And There was a guy who um, had adopted a black girl and has been raising her to, to be aware of these things. And right. then he found himself in a situation where he was prejudiced against someone like right off the bat, just like mm-hmm. saw them down the street and, you know, assumed a certain thing and they interviewed him about that and he just broke down crying like harder than I've heard adult men cry before. Um, and there's also a, in there like a, a group that's like a, um, alcoholics anonymous, but for racism mm-hmm. and in all these different mm-hmm. things, it that's was, so it was great. an inch is cool. such yeah. a good episode. If you guys get a chance to listen mm-hmm. to it, I highly recommend it. Um, but you know what? Uh, there is a story that you have told me, um, that I want to get, did i want you to tell whenever you get back from the break yeah um, absolutely. it involves the n-word and mm-hmm. a lot of attention that you do not want um so wait for after the break and when we get back Preska is going to tell us the story extra extra read all about it why are you trying to sell a newspaper on our podcast? I'm not. I'm telling our listeners about the blog. Did you know that the podcast is only one of the themes that we produce?
0: Yes. We also have a blog on thelifeafter.org with posts about starting over after religious trauma. But don't you think you're being a little extra?
1: I am extra. And you can read all about it on thelifeafter.org. But um, bum Welcome back. Um... Before we left on the break, uh, Prisca, was kind of setting you up to tell us a story that um, you had shared with me that's very important about your yeah, <laughs> realization of your place in this world. Yes. Yeah.
3: So when I was like, well, actually, backstory. Um, I started going to the uh, youth front camps when I was like, gosh, I think 10 years old. And every, every summer, that was my spot. That was my place. I loved it. That was my place to just like you know, run and be free and be me. It was like, it was super fun, super great. Like there were some rules and stuff, but like other than that, I really enjoyed it. Um, so first you were a camper. And then if you wanted to, you could, uh, once you got older, old enough, you could be um, what's called teen staff. And teen staff is the volunteer, like um, is the volunteer staff. They're the ones who um, actually, they do all the, all the, all the cooking and cleaning and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But like on downtime, we just kind of hang out like almost all summer. So it was this really great experience. Mm-hmm. I got a really good um, community out of it. Um, there were two black people, three black people that summer. Um, one was on staff, and then me and Janai were on teen staff. So yeah, for the most part, it was it was just like either me or Janai. We always missed each other except for that except for like one week. I had never experienced like the blunt racism that i had experienced until this very moment mm. um we're all like sitting in lunch like um, wait, waiting for the kids to come in, and everything. I was sixteen actually. I was sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. We're all we're all sitting in lunch, waiting for the kids to come in. Somehow everybody gets loud. We all start getting loud. We start laughing and banging and you know and screaming and stuff. And it's a fun time. It's a fun time. Everybody's, like you
0: do at youth camp, right?
3: Yeah, it, it really is. It's a fun time, and like it gets louder and louder and louder. And then suddenly I hear the words, "Shut up, you niggers." Mm. Silence.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I, I had like an array of thoughts in my head. The first one was, I didn't just hear that. Nah, right, I didn't. Right. I like, that was a mistake. I didn't hear that. And then I focused in on the people, people at the table because it was a round table. And so like, it was like, everybody was staring at me. I saw everybody just staring at me like, wow. And I was like, oh, I have to handle this 16 oh. year old Priska has oh. to handle this Very young, yeah. yeah not not the staff I have to handle this right and um I turned around and I yelled who said that who the fuck said that mm. and if I you po- dropped the
1: f-bomb I dropped
3: the camp. f-bomb yeah yeah, oh, yeah.
1: I mean, that's not all my focus of the story. I mean, he dropped so, the in bomb. Which yeah, exactly. Is I was going to say, and months. yours is in response to that, but I love that. It's <laughs> an appropriate response. It is an appropriate response. I guess yeah. for my question, did anybody call you out on saying the F word? Nah. Thank God. No. Okay. Yeah. That's at least one redeeming quality of this conversation. Yeah. Uh, no, mm-hmm. they didn't.
3: They were okay. At it. Who the, uh, so I said, who the fuck said that? And my friend, uh, Michael, turned around. He turned around and he had. His face was so white. It was so white, like
0: in more than one way.
3: More than one way. (laughs)
0: Thank you, (laughs) Chuck.
3: He was just pale. He was so pale. He knew what he did was wrong, and I I think I told you this, Brady. But um, part of the thing that like hurt me was that he knew what he did was wrong, and he was so terrified because he didn't know I was there
2: right and
3: in that point i had more thoughts what's worse like he said it because he didn't know i was there so he says it all the time yeah or would it would it have sucked if he knew i was there and he just called me a nigger like what what's worse and i don't i don't know what's worse so either
0: other way there's a sense of betrayal for sure there was yeah and And you're friends with
1: him right
3: yeah and
1: have you ever gotten like a racist racist vibe from him before? no so here, here's my, here's my thing is even do you think his intention was to be racist? I don't care. Exactly. That's the, my, that's my point is the fact yeah. that what still happened through that was every single eye was on you. You mm-hmm. were completely singled out. You're humiliated. Mm-hmm. And whether or not he had the intention of whatever that word, that word had such a power. Yeah. Even if he said it neutrally, the word had the power. Yeah. And the only one who got pierced by that power was.
3: Was you. me, mm-hmm. and also he knew better, because once mm-hmm. again his his face was just like sheet white. He was terrified when he heard my voice. He knew better, so it wasn't like he was saying this out of like I don't know what I'm doing. He knew what okay. he knew what he was doing, and so it was just kind of like, well, okay, we have to have a conversation. Um, and and there, that was your
1: next step, as you had a conversation with him.
3: Yeah, there were. Like, it's so funny because it was I was so upset, and I was so like like frazzled that um there was probably like um let me think about this yeah there were like three it was like three levels literal levels of grief like literal Mm -hmm. like levels of emotion there Mm -hmm. was the so he turned around um he said i i said it and i said why did you say that he's like i don't know in front of everybody Mm -hmm. and i said well don't say that again he said Mm -hmm. okay and then we kept eating and that was, that was quote unquote it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I couldn't eat. I couldn't, I, it, I right. couldn't eat. And I just, I sat there and I sat there and I sat there and like, I felt the tears coming. So, yeah. um, I threw my food away and I ran to the bathroom and I remember like sitting in the bathroom, curl up in a ball crying. Mm -hmm. Wow. By myself in the bathroom, just crying, 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 probably for about like five minutes. It was long enough for the uh, teen staff supervisor and um, my roommate to come in and check on me.
1: They had to check. Wow. Yeah.
3: Yeah. They came in, they checked on me and um, Megan sat down next to me and Courtney, the supervisor, sat next to me too. And I just like, I told them, what sucks is you don't, like, there's no way uh, for you to understand what I'm going through because they're both white yeah mm-hmm. there's no way to understand what I'm because doing.
1: people can have the attitude of like oh you're overreacting from this like if I was in that situation I wanted to respond the way that but I've never you know what I mean like you're yeah. not ever in the situation of being in that so for you to judge how somebody else is responding to a situation yes. that you never would have the ability to respond to is is inhumane that's like that's that's messed up that's a lacking of yeah it goes empathy. back to
0: what I always say and probably in some capacity in every episode is that you can't tell other people how to feel right about something um and you it's your responsibility to react to how somebody else feels about something and 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 i think the i think the ethical humane reasonable response is to validate other yeah. people's feelings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't understand right i mean the, yes the white white culture would respond to that and say even like well-meaning you know people that Identify as is very anti-racist would say, "Oh, you overreacted to that. He just said a word, right? right? Yeah. But who are they to tell you how to feel about that, right? Yeah. um When it goes back we to need, the- we need to focus. We we really need to uh to zero in on the idea that we need to affirm each other's pain. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to mean to talk over you. No, you're fine. Um, it kind of goes back to that email that we got at the beginning of, I, I think that it's easy for somebody who's sitting away from a situation and say, well, if I was in that situation, if, you know, my church turned against me, if my wife did, or if I had a divorce, if I'd blah, 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 blah well, I wouldn't have left the faith. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, But, but really you don't understand the, the mindset that everybody's going through and what they're processing at the time and what that means to them and what other deep, deep, deep theological and yeah. logical things are going through their minds that yeah. you can't make that assumption.
3: And what I yeah. And on that note too, what I actually respected the most about um, what Courtney said um, of her
1: not understanding what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
3: I told her, like, you don't understand what I'm going through. And she actually said, you're right. We don't. And on paper, Mm -hmm. that sounds kind of harsh. Like somebody might be like, that's mean. But actually, that was great. Mm hmm. Uh, like she didn't try to be mm-hmm. like no yes i do she said no i, I right. I'm, I'm sorry like i don't understand because so well-meaning
1: people don't always know what to say mm-hmm. i mean I, I i ran into a situation recently where a friend of i was talking to my friend about how i'm really making some big breakthroughs of going through the trauma that i went through and through therapy and all of this and like really understanding who brady 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 is mm-hmm. at the very heart of me um and my friend's response was, well, with anything with trauma, you know, the answer is just to be yourself. And it was this like very light, pithy thing that like, mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he really understood the depth of what was. But I know him well enough to know you meant what was good. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's just better to say, I don't understand that experience. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, 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 you know, beyond that, open a dialogue and say, well, what about that? explain this to me and maybe they can't and that's fine yeah like maybe it's maybe there aren't words for it but Mm -hmm. uh open a channel for understanding right don't don't uh it's very condescending to to uh try to explain away what somebody else is feeling
3: yeah and also uh i think the best thing about like just Acknowledging how they're feeling and just like being with them and holding space for them. Also, like, like uh, just being with them, holding space for them is sometimes they don't feel like explain to you what they're feeling and why they're feeling that mm-hmm. way. And uh, yeah, that's why I loved about Courtney. She saw I was in tears. She shot. She saw I was emotional. I did later on talk to Mike afterwards like with the tears in my eyes finally and like like I let them truly have it like you know with the tears in my eyes even then that was exhausting you know but she didn't ask me to explain myself and I think that's something that a lot of people of color especially in the church today now are constantly being asked to explain why you know why are these riots happening like why I'm really scared like why this why that it's like because the sole of your boot is on my fucking neck that is yeah. why, yeah, but that's... I can't say it to you because the sole of your boot is on my fucking neck, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like... know. And so sometimes it's just like, dude, just let them feel. Use common sense and just let them feel. And so that's that's what I got from that. Experience. That's you know so that's great.
0: that's super important because I feel like there is this <clears throat> there's this dance that ha- that happens between the uh, extreme conservatism, the alt right, white racism, and. Mm-hmm and church right and it's like there are these spaces where it's really hard to tell the difference whether it's blue lives matter or you know uh just like debates over over michael brown over philando castile which obviously this week the non-indictment of the of the officer that killed philando castile right um eric garner was the that was the that was the the case that broke me in, oh, in terms yeah. of race like I couldn't oh I I still weep every time I watch that video and obviously this 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 tension uh has been going on for you know since literally the founding of America it's 400 years of of you know, one one form of systematic racism or another. Right. But um, in recent, in the most, in the more recent years, the the invention of the cell phone camera has allowed us to actually see things. Wow. Uh, yeah. firsthand, and mm-hmm. and they become real, and uh, and and we have this anger, and we have these riots, and we have you know, Black Lives Matter being associated with people breaking windows, and even though it's not really the the you know purpose mm-hmm. of the movement and mm-hmm. things like that, but uh but the issue is i read this really this really good article by a by a psychologist and i i couldn't reference it i would have to look it up like dig it up but um this psychologist wrote, wrote this article um in response to the michael brown riots after the non-indictment regarding that case um they said people engage in self-destructive behavior when they feel like they don't have a voice
3: mm mm-hmm. yeah
0: and that is exactly what you're talking about right your boot is on my neck i cannot respond i mean eric garner like i can't breathe is literally all i can say yeah right and and you're panicking and uh and and that panic is very real right, right? i mean and that's not something that that the that whiteness will ever understand is this right. panic of literally i don't know if I'm going to live through today because there is a system in place that is against me. Right. Right. And and I don't have an outlet to say that right now. Um, and when I do, when something like Black Lives Matter happens and they're interrupting Hillary Clinton's, you know, stump speech. Yeah. And she's saying and she's disregarding their message. It's it just becomes that much more obvious that there's no voice when yes. when even when we're screaming. Yes. Even when we're interrupting and screaming, it's like, oh well what you have to say is for another time and you're sort of like, Well when? Right. When am I gonna get when am I gonna get a national stage and be on CNN live with breaking news and they'll hear me say my people are being destroyed by yeah. the American system. Right? What What changed yeah.
1: me the most was the documentary on Netflix, 13th. Um, blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the first time with my education of growing up where I did in a suburban white, you know, south of St. Louis place. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first time that I really got educated with, oh, wow, this is obviously our system is in place to harm minorities and to keep them controlled you know and it disgusted me after watching that and i wrote a blog after it and the Mm -hmm. title of the blog was and it's the most honest thing i can say after saying after seeing this 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 movie was that um i'm happy after watching this that my son and i are white that's okay and it was the honest most honest thing i can say Mm -hmm. because the things that other family, I mean, I look at myself with my situation of I lost everything, you know, yeah. um, and it's hard to rebuild after that. And I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to rebuild generations and well, generations after generation.
3: Yeah, well, what's messed up, like in my, like, especially with the, the way things are going now, um, and we'll get to later why that's the kind of the main reason why I'm not going back to the church for a while. Um, like, after everything that happened with last year, with all the shootings that happened in a row, all the mm-hmm. shootings that happened in a row, like, I used to be somebody who, who, um, um, like would say, oh, I want to have kids. I want to get married. I want to be this successful artist, and I want all of it. I want all the Beyonce dreams, all of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and after like seeing everything that's happened with the shootings and mm-hmm. like with like you know global warming and all that stuff, I was like, dude, I don't know if I want to bring bring a kid into this world.
1: Wow, right,
2: yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, do yeah.
3: I want to bring a brown baby into this world? Right. Mm-hmm. And knowing that he might get shot and the person might get acquitted, hopefully by then they you know they would at least get acquitted right i can't even say won't won't, won't be shot yeah you yeah. know cuz i just i look at i always tell my i look at photos of um of all the all the lynchings that happened um in the 30s and 40s mm-hmm. that were just like Huge parties, huge mass picnics. I look back at that and I, you know, at Emmett Till, and I tell myself, okay, you know what? Things have gotten better. Things have gotten better. I told myself things have gotten better. And now just like seeing sure. Philando Castile just get acquitted. Um, yeah. seeing, seeing, seeing that um, a female cop who, who shot the guy in Oklahoma just get acquitted. Yeah. I'm like, they've changed in the sense that the murderer has to wear a uniform. Yeah. And the yeah. white church yeah. will stand by and silently watch it all statistically right. absolutely yeah statistically yeah that's right i hate
1: to always be the one it's like oh but not everybody because it gets it right. gets old but but we, you are right you are it's recognized right. we yeah, recognize that on this podcast when we make generalizations um for situations like this it, but the, the there, point is there like, is a responsibility that needs yeah, to be taken the point mm-hmm.
0: is that there's a it's enough that there's a problem yes right? that's like, that's what a, we're saying the tendency is to defend the police why no nobody i don't think anybody can answer that question because, because they before, go through training because they're they're given uh, a gun by the state because right. they have a badge because right. what does that say about their character what if does that say the about holy spirit
1: of god is living inside of these people changing them from the inside out you should be ahead of the curve you should be ahead of the curve.
3: Yeah, and a lot of them there aren't, straight and, up.
1: And you have a great story about that, um, and that kind of had to do with your exit of the church. Um, I want to get to that when we take a, after this short break. We'll be right back in just a few minutes.
2: Great. Do
0: you have a story you want to tell us?
1: Or a question you want answered?
0: Do you need advice on how to handle family members who are upset at you because you're wrestling with your beliefs or leaving your religion?
1: Have you experienced some weird religious shit that you need to tell people that might actually get it?
0: Then contact us. Go to thelifeafter.org, all one word, and click the Contact Us page.
1: Or Facebook us at facebook.com backslash thelifeafterorg.
0: Or email us at info at We would love to hear, hear from... Let's do it together. Okay. One, two, three. We'd, We'd love, love to hear, hear from, you.
1: from you. Or when you email us, send us a voice recording. We really like that too. Welcome back, uh, Prisca, What were the, kind of the last steps of your like? Can, okay, you you identify still as a Christian? Is that correct?
3: Progressive Christian, yeah. Progressive
1: Christian, yeah. So, what were kind of the last steps of what your your um what is it? Stereotypical? Can I say that? Yeah, your stereotypical, stereotypical. Yeah. Like, um,
3: I haven't been to the in in a well regularly in a church for about four years, four or five years.
1: What led to that?
3: Um. The big step was, I used to be part of this, um, at one of my churches, I used to be part of this uh, small group. It was called an artist collective, and it was at the Kansas City Boiler Room, and it was this fantastic group. Oh, the Boiler Room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she I has remember some- remember the Boiler Room. <laughs> yeah. Some of the
1: influences of Jamie and overlap with, with yours, because okay. IHOP is- a, uh, Yeah. Right.
3: So the Boiler Room, they had this really great artist collective, and it was a community of people that, you know, we came together, and- uh, there weren't really any rules. Um, it was just be artists, just be artists, and talk about art and God and whatever, and it was fine. And our meetings were um, on Mondays, and then on Wednesdays, somebody would have dinner at their house and stuff. And it was like a really great. It was a really, it was a really fun time. Um, and that was actually where I learned about community and like what it really looks like. And it was beautiful. And mm-hmm. I remember because um, uh, I knew I was never called to do. Um, quote unquote Christian um, theater or Christian art. Um, I was very much called to the uh, the secular the, the secular world. And because that's just how my writing went. That's how my my uh, that's what I was attracted to. That's what I did. And so I remember I did this play and um, I had to be in a threesome. Or I didn't have to be. I could have said no. I didn't say no. I was in right. a. Th- <laughs> I was in a threesome. You had on- <laughs> to
0: consent to a threesome. Yes, yeah, I had yeah. to
3: consent to a threesome twice. Uh, yes, <laughs> I was on st- That's a six
0: sum.
3: I was. I was on stage. I oh, So I told my mom first, and she was actually like, she was. She was annoyed at first, but then she was like, okay and she came. Right? Yeah, she wasn't like thrilled about it what parent would be. But she
0: mm-hmm. but she watched it anyway. Yeah, she came. Okay.
3: It was actually kinda cool. Right. Um and then I told uh my community about this and uh, I was like okay, here we go. And they were all like, "Oh, great. Yeah. I draw things like that all the time." Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, great. You know, I can't wait to come see the show. It was so
0: Yeah, like art stuff yeah
3: yeah Yeah. we're like oh you're an artist that's fantastic so am I moving on it was (laughs) it was so empowering and wonderful and so I finally found my niche in the church I finally found my people and they killed it um
1: what do you mean they killed it
3: they 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 discontinued it I was at the meeting the the
1: boiler room did
3: the boiler room did um the boiler room discontinued it and I was at a meeting when it happened I remember one of the guys saying like you know, hey, members of the church are really intimidated by by the artist collective and they don't feel comfortable and or not. Yeah, they don't feel comfortable. They, they want to hang out, but they don't feel like they, they're not welcome. And so because we don't talk to them or whatever. So, you know what? We want to be part of the community. Okay. And of course, lo and behold, within like two months, like all the artists left.
2: Right. Well, the the uh,
3: the uh, single artists left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones who were married had kids. Yeah. yeah. So
1: they still,
0: yeah, they stuck around. Interesting.
1: I see that a lot, and and it's interesting because so many of our guests so far have either been divorced, were they're bisexual or gay, um, or they're people of color. I guess what I'm saying is, we're a lot of us are just the outskirts. We don't fit Mm -hmm. into that norm. There's like that 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 fear of difference, that xenophobia, that each one of us in one way or another, um, whether divorced, gay black, whatever yeah. Um, yeah. we're hitting on. And it seems that the people who it's easier for them to stay within the church. A lot of times are people who fit, who can camouflage themselves into everything.
2: Yeah.
1: But for the rest of us that are on the outside and to see how we are treated, um, we, we, we can't reconcile that mm-hmm. to, to the teachings. Yeah. So what was that? And what was the racism like though, for you? Like, let's say these mm-hmm. big situations, like, um, Donald Trump being mm-hmm. voted in or um,
3: Donald Trump was my was my. I'm not going to church ever again really okay was, so they they, they stopped dream. the collective and oh then, sorry yeah we, we, we jumped forward uh, yeah, yeah what's the bridge between okay
1: <laughs> bridges between um them closing out the collective and you yeah. having the election and so saying you're not going to do it anymore
3: so they uh, um, they closed out they closed out the collective and eventually I didn't have my have my my people so I kind of just hung out and yeah I kind of just Hung out, I didn't go to church for a while. I tried a few of them, but they didn't fit well for me and then, um eventually, I just kind of stopped going to church. Um, I preferred hanging out with my theater community. I mm-hmm. preferred hanging out with people who didn't like you know judge me based on like what show I was in um and that was actually kind of nice and I preferred like having my Sundays to myself, and I still like very much believed like in the spirituality and, and, and in in the divine of Jesus and, and Jesus consciousness and all that stuff. Um but last year I started considering. I was like maybe I'll go back to church again. It's been like three years. I should probably mm-hmm. go back to church. Um and the shooting started happening. Actually 2015. The shoot is, the shooting started happening for because it happened first.
0: The you're talking about Police shootings. The police shootings. Yeah.
3: yeah, the police shootings start happening, and which Fer-
0: didn't start happening. It started being publicized. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, we yeah. Had,
1: like you said, we had the technology to see what's was yes.
3: happening. Right. At those times. Right. Yeah. So Ferguson happened, and uh, yes. I was I was actually pretty understanding of like you know some. the the all Lives matter movement. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. you're
1: like 20 minutes from Ferguson. Do you you know that? Oh, I know.
3: Oh, I know. I know where I am. Yeah, (laughs) I know exactly where I am. (laughs) Priscilla's from Kansas city.
1: She's visiting us for the, for the day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: But you know, Ferguson happened and I was like, ah, fuck this, this shit sucks. You know, but like not, but, but okay. I I get like all lives matter and stuff. That's fine. And then it it kept happening. It kept happening. It kept happening. And last year, It was Oklahoma it was the guy who was shot in the street and that's when I was like I do not give a fuck what you guys think anymore I'm not explaining myself to you Mm -hmm. I I stayed in bed for like two days like depression it hit me for like two days
1: how did the religious people in your life respond to this
3: uh yeah
1: (laughs) I mean it's clearly I could see you you're upset yeah
3: I am um it's, it hurts when you have people who will yell at you um, for being understanding of a, of a thing like abortion. Mm. And you will witness people wail and weep over abortion and pray in tongues over abortion, you know, or in my anger and ego wise, a group of fucking cells. Yeah, yeah. But then you see somebody like you Mm. shot down because he looks like somebody like you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you get messages from people saying you don't know what the situation.
1: Wow. Yeah.
3: I still have. As if you're still
1: inferior in your understanding of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Frisca. Wow.
3: (laughs) yeah and at some point i was just like it's happening over and over and over and over again and you're gonna look at me and tell me you're pro-life and that you care about all lives when you can't even separate yourself from your fucking party right and and um your religion because to you your party is your religion and you won't even look me in the eye. Somebody who this shit is affecting me. It's affecting. I got more messages from from, from, my, from my atheists, humanists, friends, or people just who don't go to the church anymore saying, hey, how are you doing? I didn't get a single message from a Christian.
1: Right. Why Why are the humanists always above the curve? <laughs> you know, just to be able to have that empathy that's, and practice.
0: That's exactly it. what you've been saying, Brady. It's, yeah. yeah question anyway. where is the
1: holy spirit in this
0: where yeah. is the holy spirit where is the where is
1: because something's broken yeah i mean we can't just Clearly. make excuses something is broken it is yes. obvious that those who claim to have the holy spirit in general are behind on these things yeah and yeah. and you and I both noticed it in a different situation yeah. with with Pulse. Oh, yeah. And I remember you posted something about it and I posted something where we we came to the realization that like after Pulse happened, you you don't see all these people who are they're fighting for. Oh, there's a terrorist attack in Paris. Like, oh, let's all change our our Facebook pages. Let's all talk about this or right. whatever. You don't see that when it happened with 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 Pulse. I didn't see a single person from my my previous life, um, maybe minus one, if I remember correctly. Right. But I'm yeah. just really giving the benefit of the doubt here. Um, that even like even acting like it, everybody else is just posting about like, oh here engagement pictures. So here, you know, my mom's doing no this right. sort or of-. and it, it it's it doesn't affect people. Because of if I if I were Sherlock Holmes and I were to look at the clues, I would say because of xenophobia. Yeah. You are, f- you are fearful right. and less empathetic. I think that's the way we should say it. It's not just you're not fearful always. You're less empathetic with people who are different than you. Yeah. And um, I think that if the Holy Spirit was real, that He would need to intercede on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, it
0: would be it would be clear.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. It would be it would be clear more even more so than than like the the ten the belief is that the Holy Spirit is is more present and more uh, clear than your intellect right mm-hmm. like the holy spirit informs you on things that are that are like it, it gives you st- information on things that are uh, that are that you can't see that you're not capable of of understanding mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. And, and i know it should pl- be so clear it should be
1: so clear and i know plenty of christians that would stand up for what is right and are ahead yeah. of the curve when yes. it comes to, to yeah. social rights absolutely. But, yeah, absolutely. but my point of yes. that of saying is this so where a lot of the people who are claiming not to have the Holy Spirit, right. and and I'm glad that those people are sitting up and making you know waves in their in their community and sitting up for what's right, and I and I respect that. And even as in, as a someone who doesn't believe the same as them, I'm going to support those Christians and say, hey, yeah, the Matthew Vines who are of the world and the, the Kathy Baldwin, I can't even think of her last name, but she's part of the, the uh, reformation project that are like really fighting for LGBT rights. I'm yeah. going to stand behind them and say, yes, 100% I'm behind them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, oh yeah, them.
3: absolutely. There are a pl- plenty of them like out there. Um, Shane Claiborne is somebody I think about right now. Shane Claiborne d- is,
1: yeah. He's, we mentioned he's, him a lot in this podcast
3: yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he's so great. He act- <laughs> he actually is, he actually is pro-life. Like, yeah, if you know what pro life really is in
0: the in the truth in, in the true true sense, right. right? Yeah, like the don't blow up brown people sense.
3: Right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. we. That I don't mean. know. That's weird. <laughs> if
0: you're pro life and anti blowing up brown people, that's weird. <laughs> it's <That's> a big <laughs> step, <up. laughs> um, right, Prisca, so, I'm I'm really uh, like I, I was really moved when you um, expressed that feeling of of like these people look like me, but you'd rather defend. This I this you'd rather defend pro-life or, you know, Mm -hmm. the anti-abortion agenda. I call it
3: pro-birth.
0: You feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Yes, that's a much better description. Mm -hmm. You feel so driven about this issue. Right. And it's fine if that's your if Mm -hmm. that's what you believe. That's good. You feel driven about it. But when an actual human that you can interact with, that you can have a conversation with that just ate lunch, that is. Out on the street, getting shot by the police for no reason, mm-hmm. and you don't react—that is incredible to me. And I think it just occurred to me while we were talking that the reason—I think the reason that the Eric Garner case is so pro- it's so prominent to me—and if if anybody needs a refresher, that's the man that was uh, that was actually strangled to yeah. death by the police. The um, I can't breathe s- guy for selling. Yes, I can't breathe for selling cigarettes without paying taxes on the cigarettes that he was selling mm-hmm. um on the sidewalk he was repeated i mean he repeated the phrase over and over i can't breathe i can't breathe i can't breathe and there's a video of this mm-hmm. um as the police are using a technique that's that's actually illegal um they're mm-hmm. actually you know obstructing his ability to breathe that is not something that they're allowed to do And the phrase, I can't breathe, is just, that says it. Yeah. Right? That says it all. I mean, like, he didn't, he wasn't speaking for every minority in the United States when he said, when he was saying that, he was trying Mm -hmm. to save his life. But I can't breathe is, that says it, right? It's, it's you are not allowing me to exercise my very basic human rights in this space.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think about um I think about because um, for me, uh like the big goodbye one, I I think I mentioned it. I don't know. Um the big goodbye one was the election, like goodbye to the church yes, for yeah, a while. Yeah. That was a big thing. And people and a friend of mine asked me, um he asked me, he was like, Why does it why why? Like why? And I told him like it's weird being in a church where eighty percent we're knowing that eighty percent of that building voted for a man who uh, was backed by the Klan and that's not like yeah. that's not like a rumor that you have to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig it's right. like go to the Klan website and, and like read their letter yes. but <laughs> it's right there yeah. you know and that's weird who,
0: who refused to to renounce that that endorsement oh, also yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well I mean the, what, the cho- gaslighting is there to, right? chose to <laughs> quote be indifferent about it right yeah
3: right and so like for me like i remember thinking um because I'm, I'm a writer i imagine things a lot including different scenarios i get in my head a lot um i thought to myself i'm like dude what if what if i'm like driving around and i get pulled over and i get shot and it's me
1: how would they respond
3: yeah how would my friends well they quote unquote respond like how would how would they respond like what would happen and Or worst case scenario, because you know, a few of us we all we all went there in our heads. What if shit gets really gets real with with forty five? Like, what if forty five is present? Is not at the present, by the way. Um, (laughs) But what if shit gets really like real with forty five? Like and there's who?
0: and there's a there's a like how a ma- conflict breaks out right yeah
3: now. how many cory tim booms are gonna like be out yes. there how many wow. harry tutman's are gonna be out there yeah, yeah, how yeah. many abraham lincoln's are gonna be out there like right. really because if you think about it and history shows it um even during slavery and stuff yeah like we like to we like to embrace br- embrace the fact that the quakers were christians and it was the christians right. who stood against it was the quakers it was right.
1: the Quakers that were having right. to stand up against it the it was like it was this a lot of section a lot it was this against Christians
3: small time. yeah against other Christians and and even during um and even during like the civil rights movement like it was like a small portion of like Christians it wasn't just like everybody for the most part like a lot of like believers were really cool with just kind of th- the way things were which is fine it's understandable yeah. it's safe but
0: yeah Mm-hmm. you know that's that's really the way you put that is really is really poignant to me because um you you sort of ask the question like what if that was me what if i was pulled over for having uh my brake lights out mm-hmm. and i was shot by the police um which is a very uh, unfortunately very reasonable scenario in the current political situation or the current you know systematic situation and it, the uh, like it's sort of like how would your friends react? And I would like to think like yes, your religious friends would would be outraged, right? Right, like yeah. they would be upset about that. But it's, but then it's like why is that what it took? Yes, right? Why yeah. does it have to be somebody that you know? Why why does the was Eric Garner a, a, a an idiot? Was he just was he a brainless? You know, was he just a drone walking around selling cigarettes that had no value as a human yeah. being? was Philando Castile, you know, some deadbeat dad that that didn't care about anything and only cared about himself and carried a firearm so he could shoot the police. You know, it's it's it, why? Why would it take Prisca, you know? Right. Yeah. Or why would it yeah, why would it why does it have to be somebody you know? Why why well, it goes is it life? What,
1: it goes back to what Jamie talked about too in the episode about sexuality of um in one of her poems she mentions about women. Why why are we always look at victims of sexual assault by the relationship that they have with men. Right. Oh, but well, that's the wife. That's the daughter. That's the, yes. the yeah. but you, you know what mm-hmm. you, you matter. Prisca, you matter. You matter as much as I do. And we have different colors of skin. We have different sexes, genders, whatever. Um, but you matter.
0: And, and, and even more so because there's an emergency, you know, there's a the, the 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 house is on fire if you're in a if you're in a house fire and people's lives are being threatened, you don't casually leave and like yeah. drive off you just go tell a while. everyone in the house that the house is on fire yeah. so that they don't lose their lives. You react, right? And that's minorities in America. That's the L G B T community. That's yeah. yeah, I mean the suicide rate in in the L G B T community is 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 astronomical and in the The homeless know.
1: teenagers. If I would have come out when I was younger, I would have been homeless.
2: Yeah.
0: It, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, this is, this is a real threat and we, and we have to react. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. More, more than like, it's not like Brady gets pulled over by the police and we're outraged. It's it, Prisca gets pulled over by, by the police and we're terrified and we have to react. Right. And this is
1: something that yeah. us as, Oh, Chuck and I, you and I as non-Christians and Priska is a progressive Christian. This is something that we can work together with. Um, this is something that we have in common and mm-hmm. something that we mm-hmm. care about is fighting for these things. Yes. Um, we do need to wrap up before we do. Priska. I want you to tell me a little bit about what you're doing now with your writing and what your big projects are.
3: Yeah. Um, so... Actually, leaving um, the organized religion was probably the most freeing thing that I did creatively for me because I didn't have to worry about explaining myself to anybody except for for family. But, you know, that's fine. That's always going to be there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So um, I currently have... uh, two major works in the, in, in in the process, uh, this play called seven and 10, it's about four, uh,
1: which I read. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's definitely about, it's about four Christian, uh, um, young Christian people who, uh, they're all married. Well, you know, it's like two couples and then Ryan and Jenny who are not married, having an affair with each other. And so I kind of, I'm working on, um, getting that mounted on stage and really like, um, uh, getting that exposed to the world. Cool. Um my next script after that is called Stained and it is the most vulgar thing I've written. Yeah. And I love it. I, love it. Yes. <laughs> I literally You're have a, a I literally have a um um a character named Fuckboy. His name is Fuckboy and it's about this writer who just who hires this actor as her fuckboy. Her her uh her, uh, sex, yeah, her sex toy, basically sure, and like how we how it goes from there and stuff okay. and it's actually really it's hilarious and it's actually really great. I was surprised at 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 the reading and how well it went good um so yeah, that's what I'm working on right now and getting those things mounted and really like especially with seven and ten and seeing um because of this podcast, Brady and Chuck because of this podcast seeing how much I don't want to say damage but how much pain and damage. How much pain uh, the human beings and organized religion have have caused, in mm-hmm, 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 uh, just kind of exposing that truth with seven and ten, and really like telling everybody's story of just like, okay, what causes an affair in the right. in the church? Like, what makes that happen?
0: An important question that
1: nobody asks.
0: Yeah, nobody asks a lot.
3: At, like every church I've been to happened. Yeah, it's yes. just a thing that happens. Right. You know.
1: That's my family. That's
0: it's my like home life. Humans yeah. together have sexual feelings or something. I don't know.
3: I, it's weird. You know? No, but no, it, no. I no, think no. it helps only, if we just ignore them. Yeah, right? exactly. Only yes. and, and only men have sexual feelings. Women do not. Women don't have sexual feelings. I don't have a yeah. sexual feeling. I've never dealt. I've never. I've never. Looked, I've never looked, looked at porn. I know for. A I don't look at porn. <laughs> Guys, she's lying. She's lying through her teeth. I'm looking at my phone right now. Yes
0: yeah it's actually it's actually very uncomfortable for all of us
3: <laughs>
1: Prisca, put that
2: down
3: yeah but um, actually i like i will say this like to, in, to end it um like as far as like especially for artists i think both of you are artists too i will look at both of you and say um we're sexual beings it's fine Yes. And we are super sensitive and super aware it. of all of it, that the negatives and the positives, the sexuality and the romance and all that stuff and like the racism and all the bullshit that's in this world. And it's fine. We don't have to ignore it. Yes. Really quick. Yeah.
1: What is one thing that you would tell your younger self? Um, like Christian Prisca, who's in the middle of white suburban culture mm-hmm growing up in church what would you tell her now just one thing you're okay yeah
3: you'll be okay okay yeah everything you're feeling all the insecurities you're feeling um all the triggers you're feeling all the all the uncomfortability you're feeling right now you're okay yes and you're normal
1: right that's huge yeah that's beautiful thank you so much for coming thanks Prisca
3: yes thank you guys this, this was great. has been a lot
2: of fun yeah <laughs>
1: and uh and very real
2: yeah
1: thank you very much for listening yeah. <laughs> my friendship with prisca has gone through a very long time and a lot of interesting situations in my life she was telling earlier um off the air about uh being facebook and myspace friends with me during the, the big moments of my life of getting married having a kid um, a divorce and coming out as gay, and then coming out again as somebody who is not a believer anymore. Um, and it's amazing to see the connection and the history there. Um, I hope you all had a good time and were able to glean something from what she had to say. Um, I know I learned a lot of how what's appropriate to joke about and what's not, and um, how to treat people and have empathy with people who are different than you. So much for listening. This is Brady Harden, and this has been The Life After.